heaven. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Revelations 12, 10 through 11. Now, Brother Michael's lesson, how do we win the daily wars? Please be seated. Before I officially get into this lesson, I want to make a personal request. I only have two nieces and one nephew. My youngest niece is 48. She's a nurse practitioner, was a nurse practitioner for a heart doctor in the Fayetteville area. She is in the hospital in ICU right now with life-threatening blood clots. And um, the doctors are not painting a really good picture for us at this moment. So uh, I would really appreciate your prayers. I really want your prayers. So please be praying for Tisha. Her name is Tisha Smith. And she's in, right now in Bentonville, but hopefully we're going to get her transferred to the hospital in Little Rock, perhaps late tonight or, or tomorrow morning. Revelation chapter 12. I enjoy reading. In one of my favorite books, the author talks about uh, growing up as a little boy. And uh, at his school, there was a big bully. And this bully was uh, much, much bigger than him. And almost every day, the bully would take his lunch money. His mama would give him a dollar, and that bully would take the dollar. What to do? Because he was little compared to that big bully. Well, he decided, well, the only way I can beat him is if I learn karate. If I can learn karate, maybe with my size, maybe I could beat him. But then he found out that karate lessons cost $20 a lesson. So he had to decide. I could either give the bully the dollar that my mama gives me every morning, or try to come up with $20 of my own money to pay for lessons for karate. What did he decide? He decided to give the money to the bully and forget about karate. I tell that lesson for a reason. Because I'm afraid as Christians, unfortunately, we have the very same attitude about our bully, Satan, and the daily spiritual battles we face. We just decide that it's easier to pay the bully than to learn how to fight him. As Christians, we know that we will win the final victory. You know, if I was to go around right now among the crowd and ask you, what happens to the faithful Christian when he dies? Every one of you are going to say, well, they get heaven. Heaven is reward. We know that we win the final victory. 
But how about the little daily wars? The little daily battles that we have to face as Christians. The battles for right and wrong in your daily life. What do you do about that? How do we do it? How do we win the wars in our daily lives? How do we overcome the spiritual forces of wickedness? How do we overcome the bully who only wants to terrorize us so he can discourage us from even trying? I invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Will we get a behind-the-scene look at the cosmic conflict and how God's people conquer in that conflict? And I believe that we will discover daily help for us in our daily fights with the devil. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve, circle twelve, a garland of 12 stars. We got 12 stars, the sun, the moon. Automatically, that makes you think of a story in the Old Testament. Let's continue. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. This is our first of what? Four scenes. And the first scene is a woman in labor. Now, this woman is none other than God's people. Leading up to the birth of Jesus, it's going to be Israel, God's people. Then after the cross, it's going to be God's people, the church. This woman right here is Israel. Now, why do we say that? In several places in the Old Testament... The Old Testament describes Israel as a woman in labor. For example, Isaiah 66, Micah chapter 4, Micah chapter 5. And the sun, the moon, and the twelve stars here are clearly an allusion to Joseph's dream. Remember that dream? Back in Genesis 37, Joseph, one of Israel's sons, has a dream where he sees the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bow down to him a twelfth star. It's a description of Israel's family. The father, the mother, and the twelve sons, who later became the founders of the twelve tribes of Israel. I don't think we can miss the illusion here in Revelation chapter 12. It's clearly a reference to the nation of Israel, God's people, who throughout the Old Testament, like a woman in labor, awaited the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah would come. He would be the deliverer. So the first scene is a woman in labor. The second scene is a dragon waiting. Verse number 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads. Stop right there. Michael, you said seven indicated perfection. Well, it does. Well, why would the dragon 
initially have perfection because initially we believe the devil was one of God's angels, an angel who disobeyed. So initially he's in heaven. He has seven heads, ten horns. Ten horns indicate power. He is a powerful agent. And seven diadems, that's seven crowns. Behold it right here. This is not the final victory crown. This is the little crown they would give to the little winners of the individual heats leading up to the final race. This is not the final crown. You see, the devil doesn't win at the end. His tail drew a third Third indicates not completeness, incompleteness, partial. Drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. And the dragon, what, the dragon wants to devour her child as soon as it was born. What's going on here in the second scene? The dragon is none other than the Satan himself. And he waits. He waits to devour that long-awaited child of the woman. He waits to devour the long-awaited Messiah. At one time, this dragon, we believe, was once one of God's angels. Very likely once one of God's angels. But he rebelled against God, and likewise, he recruited a number of angels to join him. That's what it means when it says in verse 4 that his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven. He took some of the angels with him, unfortunately. God pronounced doom on the devil through the seed of the woman. Way back in Genesis chapter 3. You will bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. The devil knows that. The devil knows that Jesus is his doom. So the Satan is out to get this seed. He's out to get Israel's child, the Messiah, who would fatally wound that old serpent. We saw it when Jesus was born. Verse number 5 goes all the way from the birth to the ascension in one verse. It says, She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. What did Herod the Great try to do? He tried to kill baby Jesus. He failed, but he tried. The opposition to Jesus continued throughout his, uh, his ministry. The Pharisees and, and the Jerusalem leadership, the Judean crowds, and yes, certainly the cross. The cross was supposed to be his final blow against him. And the devil thought he had won. Verse number 5, But her child was called up to God in his throne. You see, that child was resurrected to be Lord of Lords and, and King of Kings. And the devil lost at the cross. That child, Jesus, 
rose from the dead and is now seated in the place of, of all authority on God's throne itself. This is Jesus who will rule all the nations. Did Satan succeed in destroying Israel's child and the Messiah? Oh, most certainly not. That child not only escaped the dragon's clutches, he is victor, true victor, over Satan. I want you to take that from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Because if I was to quiz you, you would say, well, Jesus won at the cross. Jesus rose from the dead, and Jesus returned to the Father. You know that in your head. Do you know it in your heart? Is it something that you truly believe in? Is it something that truly drives your life and makes a difference in your daily life? The early church needed to hear this, and, and so do we today. Now, the first scene in this cosmic conflict is a woman in labor. The second scene is a dragon waiting, but in the third scene, here the son is ruling. The child is in charge and Jesus reigns even over Satan himself and he will protect, circle that word protect, his own. Verse number six, then the woman, now the woman now is going to be the church. The woman is God's people. Before the birth of Jesus, it was Israel, God's people, and now God's people is the church. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. God protects His own. When you face daily battles, realize that God will protect you, that God is there for you a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Once again, we got three and a half coming up. We've got a short time. The persecution will not continue for all time. The persecution rose at a peak near the end of the first century, continued through the second century, but by the time the third century had rolled around, the persecution was starting to wind down. The persecution did not continue for all time. It was limited. If you want to conquer, if you want to conquer the evil temptations in your own life, you must believe that Jesus has already won the war that Jesus has already won the war. I take it once again from a head knowledge to heart knowledge. Believe it. If you believe that Jesus really has already won the war, how would your life be different? How would you live your life tomorrow if you truly believe that? Knowing your heart of hearts, that Jesus has already conquered Satan on the cross. Be absolutely convinced that your Lord has already overcome the evil one. Take it from head knowledge to heart knowledge. The early church certainly needed to hear this. This is why John is writing it. And so do we today. Now, 
on the 50-year anniversary of D-Day, Time Magazine decided to do a, a story on the survivors of D-Day. And in that 50th anniversary of that event, they interviewed two soldiers who had participated in the D-Day activities. They first interviewed a soldier that fought on the ground. And they asked him the question, what did you think as you were fighting? He said, I thought we had lost. I thought we would never win this battle, we would never win this war, and we were losers. They then interviewed a, a pilot who was flying above the beaches of Normandy. And they asked him, what did you think as you viewed the battle down on the ground below you? He said, I just knew that we were going to win. I just knew that we were going to win. You know, as we look at our battles, there are always two perspectives. Sometimes in the midst of the battle, we lose perspective and we feel like we're going to lose. We feel like we're like that guy on the ground, that soldier. But that's when we need heaven's perspective from up there. To see that the Lord Jesus has already won that Jesus has already conquered Satan, and that the old dragon, he will fall. He will fall to the depths of hell. Take that from head knowledge to heart knowledge. The early church needed to hear this. John knew that they needed to hear this. In the midst of their persecution, they needed to hear that, and so do we today. The first scene was a woman in labor. The second scene was a dragon waiting. The third scene was the son, Jesus, ruling. And hallelujah, the fourth scene is Satan falling. Verse number 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael, now those in my Genesis class, you know what a personal name with E-L means, okay? So you know that already. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That, Satan, oh, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Other words... Just paint a big giant L on Satan's forehead because he's a loser. He's a big old loser. That's all he is. You see, Satan is already defeated, but he has not yet been banished to hell. No, he still acted of our world, unfortunately, tempting us and making accusations against God's people. He loves to make up stories about us. He loves to try to drag us down. He did it with Job. We saw that back in Job chapter 1 when Satan is among the angels of God accusing Job of having only a mercenary interest in the Lord. He tells God, well, Job, he doesn't serve you for nothing. Take it all away and he'll curse you to your face. How wrong he was. 
In Zechariah chapter 3, Satan is with the angel of the Lord. What's he doing? He's accusing Joshua, the current high priest of Israel. And then over in Luke chapter 22, Jesus reveals to Peter that the devil is after you. He's trying to drag you down. He's trying to take you down. He wants to defeat you. The early church needed to hear all of this, and so do we today. Satan is accusing us of terrible things every day. So if you have thoughts of self-accusation, if you have thoughts of accusation against another brother or sister in Jesus, guess where those thoughts come from? They don't come from God. They come from the devil. He likes to slander. Verse number 10 calls him the accuser of our brothers. But thankfully we have an advocate who defends us against those accusations. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. I want you to take that tonight from head knowledge to heart knowledge. The early church needed to hear this, and so do we today. The devil, our accuser, will be thrown down into hell. Satan, our adversary, is already defeated, and he will fall. Guaranteed. Believe it, my dear friends. If you want victory in this life today, believe that Jesus has already won the war, then boldly declare your allegiance to him courageously testify that you stand with Christ whose shed blood won you that victory for you and all of God's people. Be confident. Bear witness that Jesus is your victorious Lord and Savior through His death on the cross. It's the only way any of us can conquer our adversary, the devil. Take that from head knowledge to heart knowledge. The early church needed to hear this and so do we. Verse number 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How? By the blood. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. We overcome Satan by depending on the blood of Christ. And by declaring our allegiance to Christ, even if it means death. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, it disarms Satan. Colossians 2, verse 15. The cross rendered Satan powerless. Hebrews 2, 14. And when we testify that we belong to Christ, when we declare our allegiance to Him, we remind Satan that we are on the winning side and that he is a loser. And he can't stand it. He hates that. A while back, I saw a, a program, I guess it's probably about 10 years ago, on the Animal Channel. And it showed a, a, a very, very large of, uh, of African buffalo, and they were all grazing. And it showed way off in the distance six lions. And they were watching for their opportunity. And finally, one young buffalo kind of got away from the pack. He saw a little good grass over here and got that and 
saw some more good grass over there and got that, and pretty soon there was a distance between him and the herd. You probably guess what happened. Those six lions pounced, and that young buffalo died. But here's what I thought was interesting about the program. The camera swung over to the herd, and it looked like, you know, it looked like if the herd of buffalo could talk, it looked like they were saying, boy, I'm glad I'm not that guy over there, because they were looking at it. They were watching, but they never helped. You see, if they had just banded together, a herd that size could easily have overrun those six lions. But they didn't do it. They never tried. I tell that story for this reason. Satan, when he attacks, he tries to separate us from our herd. Our herd is the church. He makes Christians mad at the church. He makes Christians mad at other Christians or angry because of some other reason. And once they're away from the herd, once they're away from the church family, he, Satan, intensifies his attack. And he wants to take you down. However, instead of saying to ourselves, boy, am I ever glad I'm not that guy over there, we must hang together as a congregation. We must close in on the devil, that slanderer, and go after the enemy of our souls. United we stand, divided we fall. The early church needed to hear this, and so do we. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. All we need to do is stay together. Stay together in the Lord. Utilize the spiritual resources that God has given us, the blood of the Lamb, and our testimony, as it says there in verse 11. To win the daily wars, enlist the help of fellow Christians, especially your elders. I can't overemphasize that enough. When we have troubles, when we have difficulties, when we have situations we don't know how to handle, we need to go to our elders. That's the reason why God placed elders over a congregation to shepherd, to protect, to lead. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him. We are alive. We are alive. He's taken it all out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Amen. Verse 12 and 13 now. Therefore rejoice. Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. The devil knows he doesn't have a lot of time. And he wants to take as many people with him as possible. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That's true. But remember, the church is protected by God. Back in verse number 6, once again, he repeats it. Verse 14, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. 
that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. That place prepared back in verse 6. Where she is nourished for a time and time and half a time from the presence of the serpent. We find our protection in God. Always in God. The early church needed to hear this and so do we. Exodus chapter 19, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God protects His own. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. God gives us an opportunity to escape. He's there for us. Take that from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Verse 15 through 17. So the serpent spew water out of his mouth like a flood after this woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. People outside the church, they take in that temptation. They listen to the devil. They take in his, his words his flood. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. See, those outside will take it in. But we are not affected. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to, war, went to make war with the rest of our offspring who kept the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We can claim the victor's crown if we believe that Jesus has already won the war and we boldly obey Him. Take that from head knowledge to heart knowledge. My dear friends, I don't like to lose. If you're on the Lord's side, you won't lose. We can't lose. What would it be for us today? Will we cover or cower in fear before a defeated foe or will we take our stand with Christ? And watch that old devil run. Once again, God's simple plan of salvation, you know it so well. If you have a need to respond as a Christian to seek forgiveness, we pray you'll do that. Will you please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Uh -huh.